What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. On today's show, I've got somebody who made almost a million dollars on their flip. He's going to talk to you about how he did it. He's going to talk to you about what led up to it and all the things that had to happen ahead of time, all the failures, all the struggles, all the pain, all the uh, choices, all the decisions, everything that led up to it. It's Jansen McLendon, and he's in Pensacola, Florida, almost like a million dollar flip. Can you imagine that? What it would look like to have a million dollars in your bank account after you sold a property? Holy crap, I've never done that. And I want to do it one day. So uh, I've done it in multifamily syndication, but never single family house. And uh, here it is. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. All right, everybody, I got a really fun show for you today. There's one of our members of our mastermind. He's been a member for a really long time. He had a project that that made a lot of money. And it was a big project. There was a, there was a risk and there was a reward. And um, when it was all said and done, I asked him if he'd come on the show. We kind of talk about that and some other things. Like I know that he's uh, followed along his journey for a really long time. I remember meeting him for the first time in San Diego at one of our events, Flippacking Live, and just kind of being a part of the journey, kind of watching from the outside in for, um, for years now and seeing ups and downs and, and being able to revel in this win with him and to talk them through it is going to be really fun. Um, and I'm sure it won't be all like uh, perfection and all of that, but I think you guys are really going to enjoy this show. So uh, I want to welcome to the show for the first time, actually, Jansen McClendon. Jansen, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, bud. Good. Thanks for having me on. It's, it's an honor. Oh, it's going to be so fun. Uh, we have a long history. You're in Pensacola. We met when I was still living there, I think. I think I was still living there at the time. Uh, Flipping and wholesaling houses was probably just starting to expand to Chattanooga and uh, and all that. So give everybody a little bit of background about you, um, like who you are, what you do. Yeah, so I uh, grew up here in the in the Florida Panhandle. It's my home. It's where we uh, where we operate uh, from pretty much Perdido over to uh, Panama City. Um, grew up a little bit of like a blue collar background. Got into, um, you know, kind of the trades, I guess you could say. In the early age, I had a landscaping business and, and kind of found my way into flipping houses. And as just part of that uh, kind of growth uh trajectory got into the the 7ff group and just so that we could continue just building that that house flipping business which is primarily what we do we're house flippers you know the uh i I think you have talk a little bit more about your background i feel like you um i think it would be beneficial for others who are out there thinking like oh these people can do it because they had like great upbringing or they were great kids or they had a bunch of money or those kind of things i think it'd be helpful i know a little bit about your story if you're willing to share yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. So um, had a little bit of like a rough upbringing. Uh, family life was was chaotic. It was hectic. Um, just a lot of, you know, kind of turmoil at the house. And so uh, from an like early on, like I, I didn't really have dreams. I didn't really have ambition. I didn't really uh, think much about anything other than just kind of getting getting by, you know, day to day. And that, that really lasted all the way through through high school, I think, and even in my uh, early 20s. And so Um, but there was always something there. Like I always wanted more and I always wanted, always wanted to be better. You know, I I wanted better than what we had. I I felt like, man, there's, there's gotta be something better, you know, than this. 
and um, and just as time time kind of you know went on, I, I think that that's definitely always been a theme of my life: wanting more, wanting better, and just wanting to grow. And so uh, you know, better that's that's relative, right? So so I found myself you know fast forward to I'm, I'm 23 years old. And I dropped out of college. I had, you know, no clue what I was doing with my life. I'm working for a guy. I'm making 11 bucks an hour, uh, you know, pushing lawnmowers and running weed eaters, you know. And and I find myself at this place, man. I want better than this, you know. I wanted I wanted more than 11 bucks an hour. That was really like my mindset. How do I make more than 11 bucks an hour? So I started my own landscaping business. I decided that was going to be the way to go. You know, and uh, and so we did that, man. We ended up owning that business for like 11 years. I raised a, a family with it. I got married, and and it, and it was good to us. But I, I had no idea really what I was doing, uh, getting into it. But it was just that wanting, wanting better, wanting more. And then over time, I still wanted that, and I didn't think I was going to get it out of that business. You know, I'd been um, I'd been diving into Audible books, and I found out I was it's kind of always a slow reader. Still am to this day. And, uh, but I found out about audiobooks. I said, whoa, this is, this is a game changer right here. I start, I'm riding my lawnmower and I'm listening to the E-Myth. I'm listening to Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm listening to leadership books and my mind's just, you know, just exploding. And uh, with all this stuff, I, I just never knew before. I never knew this stuff existed, you know, and, and I'm, I'm wanting more, I'm wanting more of that growth. And, and what I, what I landed on was, I'm not going to get what I want out of this landscaping business. So what else can I do? And having a little bit of like a construction background and, you know, I said like that kind of blue collar background, I was like, you know, flipping houses, that seems kind of up my alley. And, and so that's kind of how we got into house flipping. We were actually going to just supplement our landscaping business by doing a house a year is what I thought. And then, and then maybe, maybe we could, we could get to where we do two a year, you know, I wasn't really sure, but that's, that's kind of how we got into flipping houses. So I want to talk about that for a second because it's, yeah. it's funny because that's how I got started too. Just like side hustle one a year. And so yeah. I feel like a lot of people right now, um, I was having a conversation in the gym this morning. There's a guy who's like, I, I only want to get into this if I can make it really big. Like it's later on in life. I want to make sure that I can go all in on this and I can make it a really big company or I'm not even going to start. And sure. I think that's the problem that a lot of people have these days is they want to, they want to be able to like kind of write the whole story before they get going. And yeah. I love what you did and what I did and what a lot of successful people do, do is they just kind of jump in and figure out if it's for them or not for them. And, uh, and that's what I see. I saw the same thing. I was at my, my farmer's market on Saturday and there was one of our runway members were there and, um, and she has a deal that she's doing and, and she's scared. Like, right. She's scared about the yeah. deal that she bought her first flip. And she's like, I don't know if the numbers are going to work out. I don't know if I'm going to go over budget. These bids are coming in way higher than I thought. I should have done this, should have done that, all that stuff. And there's somebody else that came up that was like, oh, yeah, like I'm, I'm studying. I'm, I'm learning. I'm going to keep studying and keep learning and keep studying, and keep learning. And I looked at the two and I was like, oh, my gosh, like this person, they're both scared. Like they're both scared. Right. But one of them yeah. is actually going and doing and the other one's like scared and and withdrawn. And it's like, yeah. I'm just going to keep learning. I'm going to keep buying more courses. I'm going to keep listening. I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to keep studying. And, and eventually, like, I'll figure out the whole game plan and then I'll start. And so when I look at those two, I'm like, man, I, I know who I'd bet on. Like, I know what horse is going to win this race for sure. And um, I really would challenge anybody that's listening to just just jump and, and, make, and, and have it a side hustle. You don't have to have it all figured out. It can just be that one deal. 
and see if you like it and do another deal and do another deal. And if you break even, make a little bit of money, even lose a little bit of money, it's a massive value in, in going and doing, like learning in the doing. And so is that what you did? You just kind of like learned in the doing? You were like listening to these books and just like, I'm just going to jump and buy this house and fix it up and try to sell it. What was that like? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's that, uh, you know, imperfect action is better than perfect inaction, right? I mean, a lot of people will sit there and think about doing something and never actually do it. The, what's the, uh, I forget who said this is like one of the, one of the biggest tragedies in life is, is people dying with their music still in them. Like you don't mm. actually go and do the things that you've been dreaming about, do the things you've been wanting to do. And, and that's how you find out really kind of who you are. I think more than just figuring out how to do the things. I think if you took a group of those guys that, and we, we all do this at times, right? Like we, we can all be hesitant to take action. It's not like, you know, everything in life, I just jump right into it head first necessarily. But if you took a group of folks who kind of had that same mentality of, you know, I only want to do it if I can do it all the way. And, and you check up on them, you know, next year, the year after the third year, I think what you find is most of them never ended up doing anything, you know, because you get stuck in that, in that place of just not willing to actually just step in when it's imperfect, when it's messy and, and just, just take a shot, just take a shot. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I, I get there a lot where I don't know what I'm doing. And I've, especially people who have been really successful in other areas of their lives, they get to a point where they're like, man, I know so much over here. I don't know anything over there. I, I, I need to get to the same place that I am in my knowledge of this thing I've been doing for 10 years before I go over there. And I get in that sometimes too. Like, so if you're out there, like you're not alone. I feel like I feel yeah. that, that way all the time. Um, in fact, right now, like I'm, I'm trying to understand like Instagram and YouTube and TikTok and all these things are like, I don't know any of this stuff. Like I've, that's not a platform that I know I'm not on there. Um, I remember jumping into this podcast, having to run this podcast when I bought the company. I didn't know what I was doing. I don't even, I, Frankly, I still don't even know, really know how to upload a podcast. Um, but I, I, I didn't know what I was doing and, and I was kind of crappy and really bad at it in the beginning. And yeah. that's kind of, that's where you got to go and just right. be willing to be afraid and do it anyway. And, and, to, and use that courage to kind of move forward. So, so you started doing this. Um, when was that? When was the time that you flipped your first house? What, what year was that? 2016, we flipped our first house. Okay. And then I remember, um, I think, I feel like I found out about you from one of the agents that was in my office at the time. I had a license. It was hung at like this little boutique bro uh, brokerage and she's like a relative of yours, I think. Is that right? Yeah. My sister-in-law. Sister-in-law. So I saw like she was listing a house that was obviously renovated. And then, so then I like followed the trail. I was like, who, who are these people? Because I was a wholesaler at the time and I was trying to figure out who's buying houses and who I could get on my list and, and what was going on. And I always, I've always studied the landscape. Like I always will study. And at the time I did look at it as competition to be perfectly frank and honest. Like I was, I wanted to win. I wanted to dominate. I wanted to flip every single house in there. I, I, I would talk about abundance, but I didn't really live it. It took me a really long time to live the abundant mindset. Like it was a lot of scarcity at that time. And even when you came to Flip Hacking Live, I remember we had closed groups. We had only allow a certain number of people in each market and, mm -hmm. and Pensacola was full. 
and you came up to me and you were like, Hey, I want to join this program. Um, you were there with your wife and I was like, man, I met you guys. And I was like, these guys are awesome. Like maybe you're like, can can you make an exception? We really like to come in. And I think this is the next level for us. And I was like, I don't know. Let me think about it. And I had to go home and like, it was like after the event, thinking about it, like what would it, what would it do to my business? What am I afraid of? All these things came rushing into my head. I think a lot of us secretly feel that way all the time. And, and if, and, and, and I still like still there's times where that will kind of creep in, especially on the coaching side. Like, oh, what, you know, somebody who's in my mastermind now going to another or doing this other thing or, or what's, why are they at that event and not my event, you know, and this stuff just starts happening and you start second guessing and doubting yourself. And so mm-hmm. it's totally normal. I've been, I've done it before, but it was cool to watch that and just like getting to know you guys. And, and even in that short period of time at Flip Packing Live, I think it was, it must have been 2017. 2018, 2018. We, were there, yep. we were in La Jolla. We're in La Jolla. Yep. Is that where we were? So it was the year before I bought the company. So we're in La Jolla. And uh, so I remember that. And I was just like, yeah, I, we, we gotta, we gotta let these folks in. Like, um, I think that we're, we're doing a disservice by, by keeping this kind of close to close to the best. And so um, brought you guys in. It was really cool to see um, those first couple of years. So what, what was that like? Like, I don't know, from your perspective, I guess that's kind of my perspective of watching you from afar, meeting you, getting to know you guys a little bit and saying, saying, yeah, come on in. Like, what was your side of it through all that? So coming in, um, we had, we had been flipping houses coming in and we, we had been successful at that. And, uh, and I'm thinking like, man, we're, we're pretty awesome here. We're, we're doing things like pretty high level. We come into the group and then it's like, oh, wow okay, may, maybe we're not doing things as as well as I thought we were. And so it's a little bit of that that fear, you know, that, that you're talking about and, and where I really wrestled. And, and I think this is kind of the, uh, the essence of, of the fear we were just talking about with that, that fear to get started or that fear to, you know, take the shot. Um, it, gets, it gets really down to your identity. And so I had to really kind of wrestle with uh, with who I was there when I first came in, because I realized like when I got in the group, man, there's these people that are doing it 10 times bigger than I ever even thought possible. And and I almost immediately started to go to this place in my mind of like, I must not be good enough. I must not be smart enough. I must not be, you know what I mean? Fill in the blank. And 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 so I really had to start wrestling with that. And so, uh, that was, that was a, a challenging year for me because I, I had to face some of that stuff. I had to face those fears, you know, maybe, maybe taking the shot, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't as fearful, but man, when, when we started getting to that place where it was, it was time for me really to level up, I was scared. Cause I, I didn't know what that really looked like yet, you know? So there was, a, there was a lot of fear there in the beginning. You know, it's interesting you talk about identity and fear. So uh, if if you've been listening to the show or, or seen me present uh, over the past few years, you've probably seen a Heroes Two Journeys conversation, this Heroes Journey conversation. And it really is this like like identity piece, killing off your old identity and moving into this this essence as Michael Hag is kind of the mentor that I have that helps is helping me through this right now. I'm getting coaching from him right now. We were on a call yesterday. And he specifically has said, um, 
the wound, so this wound, this unhealed source of continuing pain creates a belief in us. So in the past, we have this wound, creates a belief. That belief creates fear and that fear creates our identity. And that identity is meant to protect you. So it's uh, set up to designed to protect you from, from pain. And, um, but what it does is it stops you from being who you truly are and all the things that you want to achieve in the places that you want to go and the person you want to become to achieve all these things. Um, it stops you in, in that essence, the piece of like the essence of who you are. So now you have identity versus essence is, is what he talks about a lot, which is really cool. And when I think about this, we were on a call like a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about this and I was like, you know what? It feels like there's like something on your shoulder. Like, you know, when you are like, you're going, you're stepping into this new you and then there's something saying like, hey, that's not you. Like, what are you doing? Like, you can't do that. You're not good enough. You, you've never made that much money. Like, it's, you're going to fail. You're, all this stuff's going to happen. And it's just like, that's the identity piece. So when I think about identity, yeah. I think about that, that, that thing on your shoulder that's like pulling you back or inside of you that's saying like, no, it's like the thermostat that's like turning you down some. Like, hey, slow down there. You're getting a little too big for your britches. And so when you think of this identity piece, if you really start identifying what that is, and really it comes from like, if you can identify the wounds and the beliefs that are creating that fear and creating that identity, you can start actually battling it. And and what we talked about at the beginning is really how we battle this is like, we just kill off this old identity through through trials like just going and stepping into the uncertain and having courage and like building your courage up over time to where you can just like step out into that and it not be a big deal. And, and, and it creeps in all the time. Like once you create this new you, then there's a new identity that's formed, a new wound, a new belief, a new fear, and a new identity that's created that wraps around that. And it's just constantly going through these like cycles of trying to figure out who we truly are and the direction that we're going and the plan that, um, in, in, in my belief, like the plan that God has for us and where we're going. So I think yeah. it's, it's really cool as we kind of redesign and redevelop ourselves over time. And, but we have to get knocked down. We have to go through the trials in order to go through that. So what were some of the things that happened along the way for you in, in all of that? You got fear, you got some beliefs, you got some wounds from the past, you got all the stuff that's creating this identity and you have to go through this identity shifts throughout the time. What were some of the things that, that, that to you were like some challenges along the way that you feel like made you stronger and, and came out to, to hopefully, but we'll get, we'll get to the place where we want to go, which is like the big win, but you can't have the big win without going through some of the stuff first. So what was that like? Yeah. So, so first I'll, I'll go back for a minute when I was um, in my twenties, it's, it's kind of a, a funny story. And, but it, it for whatever reason, this, this was pretty impactful for me. So I'm, I'm at the house. I'm like 20, 21, 22 years old. I think um, I'm at the house and I'm watching, um, I'm watching daytime TV and uh, I'm watching judge Mathis. Remember, you know, the Ju- judge Mathis, you ever see that show? Okay. So, so two kind of people watch, watch daytime TV. It's old people and uh, people who don't have a whole lot going for themselves. Okay. So I was, I was not old, but uh, I'm, I'm sitting at the house. I'm watching this guy. And, and here's what he's talking about. He says when he was growing up, he, he grew up rough on the streets of Detroit. He joined a gang and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he ended up turning his life around. But then fast forward, he finds himself, he's in law school and he's looking around at all these other folks around him. And he's thinking, man, you know, they grew up in, in a nice house. They grew up with a good family. They got all the things that I don't have. And he, and he thought about himself as being disadvantaged. And he said he, he woke up to that. He said, you know, these people have never been through what I've been through. They've never, 
you know, slept on a street before. They've never, you know, gone through all the challenges that I went through growing up. And he started to flip his mindset. Instead of thinking he was disadvantaged, he started thinking he was advantaged, you know? And man, I'm sitting there watching this when I'm like 21, 22, and I started really thinking heavy about this. Like, wow, I've been doing this. I've been doing this to myself. Well, Well, like you said, you kind of, you know, Fast forward, maybe I'd broken through all kinds of ceilings up to the point where I, I've joined 7FF, right? But now there's this new ceiling, and there's still a little bit of that old me that's there. And it's going, oh, man, you know, these folks, they they must have something you don't have. They must be, you know, all these things, right? And I come right back to that place of no, no. I've been through so many challenges. I've been through so many things to get here, like, I, I have what it takes. I have what it takes. And so I had to really just shift that, that, that mindset, you know, and you kind of, you kind of have to catch it, you know, on a daily basis. And, and so I started doing that, man. I started shifting that. I'm like, okay, I, I can do this, but what does it look like? It's not going to be this like, you know, zero to 130 days kind of a thing, you know, it's going to take time. So I had to really just start digging in and saying, all right, what's, what's the next move for me? What's the next best thing for me to be doing? What are the, what are those, those little things, you know, that I can get to work on now and start moving this forward because you're looking at this, this huge pie, right? Like, how do you, how do you do all of that? And it's, it's just kind of one thing at a time. So I I had to kind of do that, that Jocko, that prioritize and execute. What do I need to be working on first right now? A lot of it was my mindset, but what are the little things in the business I can get to work on right now? You know, and um, so I think that that's what I had to do. Um, you know, and, and a lot of it was just just taking action. You know, there weren't I don't I don't remember any specific things that we were like overcoming or anything right there that like in the business that w- that was giving me confidence. I was really like. I was just overcoming myself in a lot of ways and, and just not letting myself hold me back uh, any anymore. And so every every Monday morning, I have a, uh, a reminder that goes off on my phone at 7 a.m. And it says the aggregate of marginal gains. It's kind of a weird reminder, right? But the aggregate mm-hmm. of marginal gains. And it's a reminder to me that it's not it's not always the big things, you know? It's usually just those little things that add up. What are those little things that I can do today? What are those little things that I can do this week that are going to push me, my business, my family forward? Because those things add up big over time, you know? What are those little things? Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of the uh, one of my favorite books, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Yep. It's uh, I, I love that, and I've shared it with a lot of people, like from quitting smoking to quitting drinking to all uh, like losing weight to all these things. It really is just it's the little decisions that we make stacked up over time, and um, and it's a great reminder that you gave me today because I need it. I need it right now. I'm trying to make these all these big changes, these big moves, these big things, and it's the question is like, are you willing to? Uh, to make those those small changes, small tweaks over and over and over again, because that's what creates the big wins. So uh, what about some setbacks? Like uh, over the past, like, I don't know, year or two, have you had any like really big setbacks where you're like, man, this really is just like a crushing blow. And then uh, like a follow-up question to that, I'd love to hear kind of what came out of that on the back end of it. Yeah. So in, in the business, I mean, we, we've had, we've had a number of challenges. Um, we've, uh, you know, we've, we've flipped houses and lost money. That's, that's one of the hardest things I've ever done 
is flip a house. We did, we had one that we, we worked on it for a year and this, uh, I think we sold it in 2020. It's been, a, it was a couple of years ago, but we, we sold that house and we wrote a check for $20,000 to sell it. That man, that was a hard pill to swallow there. You know, just that putting all that work in, you know, all that time, effort, energy, and, and losing money on it. That, that was a big challenge for us. Um, what were, I mean, what were some of the things that, what were some of the things that you feel like you learned from that, that like kind of caused that loss and that, um, that, what are some things that you learned that you wouldn't do again? Well, I think it, it goes back to a lot of what we're talking about. The, the failure thing, there's a, there's a fear of failure oftentimes that we have that just keeps us from, from, you know, doing the things that we want to do. And so I just, I just had to, I had to own that failure and say, okay, I, I can look at it like, you know, man, we, we suck at this. We don't know what we're doing. Cause we, we made a lot of mistakes on it or I can like look what, at it. Like and what say, kind of mistakes did you make? So we, we drastically underestimated the rehab budget because we didn't do a good job on estimating repairs. We didn't do enough due diligence on the front end. And the more we got into this house, the more we realized, you know, how messed up it was because we didn't do, we didn't do our due diligence in the beginning. And so that, that was a huge part of it. And then, um, you know, we didn't, uh, I just don't think we, we planned well enough. That's a huge part of uh, a run in rehabs is planning. So we just didn't have a good enough plan going into it. The plan seemed to constantly be changing. It's like, you know, we, we find some surprises. That's, that's part of flipping houses. We find some surprises and, and we make some pivots from that. But then, you know, we were, we were still making a lot of, a lot of mistakes as far as we, we didn't have a plan in the beginning that we stuck to. We were just kind of flip-flopping as we went along. Hey, let's change up the design here. Let's change the materials here. And the next thing you know, we've basically, we're in double what we initially estimated on our rehab budget. Mm. Yep. And so, um, what, what came to mind as you were talking about that is, um, you know, flying for the Navy for almost 20 years now, we have these, um, these things called, uh, uh, it's operational risk management. So before we go out and fly, we like rank the flight and what, like, what are some risk factors that could be an issue before we go fly, especially like dangerous missions and intense sorties and stuff like that. And one of them was the number of flight hours that the pilots have. So what was interesting in the rankings is very early on when you don't have very many flight hours or you have a lot of flight hours, like a whole lot of flight hours, um, you have a lower number. So like less risk than when you're in the middle of those flight hours. So like when you're in like, I think it was like 500 to 2000 hours or something like that, or maybe it's 500 to 1500. That was like the most risky period because what mm-hmm. happens is you get comfortable and you start getting kind of cocky a little bit yeah. and you, you, um, you don't necessarily like do all, like you were talking about doing all the due diligence and stuff like that. You're just kind of like, I got this figured out. I got it wired now. And I see the same thing. I just wrote down like dangerous pilots versus dangerous business owners. It's like when we get to that point where we're like, we've been winning. We don't even know what it's like to lose or mess up or make a mistake. And we're just getting really cocky. And we're like, oh, I, I don't even need to look at the house anymore. Like I'm buying houses without even looking at them. Like yep. it's almost like a badge of honor. 
And now it's like, and, and oh yeah, I know I can estimate repairs on the back of my hand and, uh, and all this stuff and everything that I touch turns to gold. So what do I need to do a bunch? And then you start like, what I notice with business owners, they start like kind of hiring out their themselves a lot of times and they, they don't, they don't get back in there to, to do any accountability and make sure things are going right. And so what mm-hmm. happens is you lose touch with a lot of things and you start getting more risky. And, and, and really the word is complacency. We get complacent. And I, mm-hmm. that's what I heard as you were talking. And the only reason I yeah. hear it is because I've, I've done it yeah. in my housekeeping business, my wholesaling business, my coaching business, my, my everything. I, I've done it. And we repeat it over and over and over again. And so sometimes we have to get like knocked down a little bit mm-hmm. in order to, to refine things. And, and we have to go through those, that, that risky period to get on the backside where the pilot becomes, um, you know, high flight hours and is like, I'm not doing that. Like, no way. Like no chance I'm doing that. That's a, that's a stupid idea. It's going to get us killed. And same thing in business. Like, no, that's, that doesn't make any sense. I've been around the block and back. I know that that's a bad idea. And so you get, you get it, like, not necessarily like the crotchety old guy that's on the porch yelling at everybody, but you get to the point where you're just not willing to take those risks that you were in that, that middle area. So I think that's a, that's a really cool and a lesson for anybody out there who's kind of hitting that. Um, the early investor wouldn't do those things, right? Because they, they don't know enough. And then the middle investor in the, in the middle there is like, I'm just going to do whatever I want because I've got this all figured out. And that's when we get crushed. And that's where I lost 70000 $50,000, $30,000 on like three houses in a row in Pensacola. I was in that, that risky area of going, oh, yeah, I've got this wired. Like I, if I can do the, the $300,000 house, I can do the $700,000 house. And it's just I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, very similar to what you're talking about. A spot on and that complacency, you know, I don't want to admit that, that that's where I was, but I was, and I don't want to admit that that's where we've been even this year, but we were, I think it's just, it's part of, um, it's part of the cycle. Us, us as humans, when things start going right, when things go well for a period, we can, we can start to kind of slack off for a little bit. You know, sometimes it's a little bit hard to keep that to keep that foot on the gas, maintain that consistency that you need to. And that's why a lot of the people, a lot of the most successful people you ever meet, they failed early and they failed often. And that's what really propelled them. You know, so it's that, that same thing that we're afraid of is is the thing that ends up shaping you and making you that person who ends up being, you know, I don't want to say bulletproof, but you know, you're you're kind of uh you're immune to failure because you won't let it affect you like the way that it can, you know, with a lot of people. Yeah. You kind of like encourage it, like bring it on the, one of my favorite quotes is, is one you just kind of like alluded to it's uh, it's Walt Disney. He's like, it's really important to have a good hard failure early on in life. And, um, and that's what he attributed a lot of his success to was all the times he failed and having failure early and often. And so if you're out there and you're, you're feeling down or you're feeling like you're failing, like you're only growing and like the earlier, the better in a lot of this stuff. But I will tell, I will say also, um, a lot of times what happens very like, um, early on in our business is we just, we, we, we talked about in the beginning, but like the, the failure piece is like, 
you don't want to fail. You want to protect yourself from all of that stuff. So you end up not actually doing anything. And so like, I would encourage, like, I think it's a really good thing. That, like when I look back now, it's like, I'm glad I lost that 70,000, that 50,000, that 30,000. Like I needed that to happen to transform me into the person that I am now who learned from that, who I, uh, all of that stuff. Like I've made, I've made a multiple of, of that now based on having to learn those mistakes that way and, and coming out, uh, coming out from that. So, um, all right, let's talk about, let's talk about something that you've done. That's really awesome. Let's talk about uh, a deal that you did recently and maybe a transition. We probably have to start with a transition from, this was a multi-million dollar house, a transition from kind of like where you were to, to that. Like how do you transition from flipping houses that are more first and second time home buyer houses in Pensacola? The ARVs are probably somewhere in the two to $300,000 range. I would suspect of what you were doing before. Maybe tell that story a little bit and why you decided to take on this big project. Sure. I think it goes back to that aggregate of marginal gains. You know, we were, we were steady growing, developing in our business. You know, I, I try to look at business like a game. It's kind of like, uh, like Mario, right? You're, you, you start, everybody starts at the same place. We're on level one and, and the goal, we're just trying to level up, you know, we're trying to level up early on. I mean, one of the biggest things in Mario, right? just don't fall in the hole, try not to fall in the hole. You know, that, that's what'll really get you. And, but, but just, just keep moving forward, keep pressing to the goal and, and don't give up, right? Just, just don't give up, stay in the game. And so we were steady doing that, had some bumps along the road, but we were steady doing that. And, and we started to increase our volume. We started to increase our capacity. We started to grow our team and we're really growing in, in, in kind of all areas from being a one man show in the beginning, in the beginning, you know, to a, to a 10 person team is where we're at now. And, and so just steady leveling up. Uh, every every day, every day, and so we uh, we went from flipping those first time homebuyer houses to uh, to you know the kind of more that move up level, um, and then and then we started to kind of increase it a little bit from there by a little bit you know nicer higher end properties, but um, you know we had never done anything that I would consider true high end. And so, uh, one day I'm, uh, I'm at the office and my acquisitions manager hits me up. She says, Hey, we've, we've got a pretty, pretty sweet house. You need to take a look at it's on, uh, you know, a really, really nice road and a really nice town, Gulf breeze. It's actually, you know, where I live, it's in a great part of it. And she said, you should take a look at it. And I said, well, how much do they want for it? She said, they'll take 1.2 million. And I'm like, I bet they will, <laughs> you know, like, we don't, we don't buy $1.2 million houses. I mean, what, so sorry, like we just, we can't, you know? So I, I really just didn't even consider it. And then, um, you know, a couple of days go by and, and she, she hits me up about it again. And, and we start talking a little bit about it again. And I say, okay, I'm going to, I'll look into this a little bit more completely shot it down the first time, but I'll look into it a little bit more. Cause she says, she tells me, she says, you know, we can, we can potentially get like 2.5, 2.6 million for this thing. And I'm like, really, you really think so? So, so I start to dig into it and I'm like, interesting. The, the comps actually do show that that's, that's where we could, where we could be for our ARV. Well, then I'm like, okay, how do we even, how do we even take a deal down like this? Like, you know, is this a good move? One of my biggest concerns was days on market and, and just the holding costs if it took a long time to sell. So um, it's funny, Becca had told me, Becca Shea had told me a while back about this Brian Buffini podcast. And I just started listening to it again. And he was doing his, um, 
his bold predictions for 2022. And one of his bold predictions was this. He says, entry-level real estate is going to slow down. It has to. Interest rates are going to be going up and prices are already high. It's going to slow down. As a result, move-up level real estate, it's going to slow down for the, you know, some of the same reasons. He said, but here's my bold prediction. High-end real estate will be largely unaffected. And he had a lot of data to kind of back up his reasoning on that. And I was like, man, this is really interesting. And so I, I start looking into a lot of things he's talking about, days on market and, and, and how these you know properties are moving. I'm like, wow, this was an area that I never even considered, this high-end you know, real estate. And there's a lot of opportunity here. So I say, okay, maybe we could take a shot on this. So we start digging in a little bit more um, to, you know, what kind of repairs would need to be done. There's a lot of hurricane repairs. We're familiar with that. We're in Florida. There's some hurricane damage to the property, some different things. I start looking into, well, how, how do I even fund this? A 1.2 acquisition, that's, um, you know, that's that's a big chunk. So what do we do there? Um, so that, that ended up kind of once we came to a place of like, okay, we think we could take this on. Let's let's figure out the funding side of it. So I go to Kiavi and I say, "Hey guys, could you uh, could you fund this for us?" And they come back. They say, "Yeah, we can fund it. We just we can't fund the hundred percent like you're used to with your with your seven FF, you know, um, you know, agreement or whatever." And I said, well, "Well, what does that look like?" Long story short, I end up writing a letter. I say, "Hey, look, we're purchasing this, you know, purchasing this for one point two you've got a million dollar cap, but we're asking that you would, that you would go ahead and fund a hundred percent of this. They come back same day, like, okay, we'll do it. I'm like, no way. Okay. Like did not think that was going to happen, but all of a sudden they're, they're willing to fund the 1.2. And so I'm saying all these things because it was all these little things that were kind of adding up. You know, the whole reason I found the podcast was because I, I've got a good friend in, in the real estate industry, you know, that I've gotten to know. The whole reason we were able to get the funding is because we've got this group. You know, the whole reason we were able to, the only reason we were able to even consider taking on this thing, because we had been steady, you know, moving along towards this, you know, the whole time as far as just growing our company. And so we finally just decided, you know what, let's do it. Let's take the leap. Let's go for it. All right. I wrote down a couple of things I want to talk about. One is yeah. you mentioned this um, kind of high-end homes, ultra wealthy. If, if you're in California and you're here in like a $2.5 million house, you're probably like, that's an entry-level house or close to it. Right. Um, you're, you're in Pensacola. You're like, oh my gosh, there's only a couple of those houses that sell for that. Um, the house that I lost the most money on was like a $850,000 ARV, I thought, ended up selling for like... 740 or something or 695. I, I like I was I was in it for a lot more than that. And it was long days on market, very picky buyers, all kinds of stuff like that. I didn't use the right finishes. I made a, a ton of mistakes. What what I'll say is um I'll, I'll just ask you out there, like the, if you're listening, who gets hurt in a recession? Like when you think about this, we're in, we go into this recession, higher interest rate, higher inflation, these kind of things. Like who gets hurt in a recession? Is it the ultra wealthy? Is it the middle class? Is it the ultra wealthy and wealthy? Is it the middle class? Is it lower, lower middle class, lower class? And uh, it's the middle class. The middle class gets crushed. The lower class folks, like they're already living in apartments and trailers, these kind of things. They, they work blue collar jobs. They don't have a lot of investments. They don't really care about the stock market, those kind of things. Like it's just, 
their day-to-day life. Yeah, they get they get hit, but it doesn't really like there's really nowhere to go. Like they're either on food stamps, government assistance, some of that stuff, or just making it, you know, and so they're there. The middle class becomes like non-existent. The middle class is what gets hit. And so these are people that are buying first time home buyers, second time home buyers, um, and, and they get crushed. The ultra wealthy, the wealthy, they, they still fly in private jets. They still, they still do their thing. They still buy really expensive houses and pay with cash. They, it's, it's not really affecting them. In fact, they, nothing really changes. They're usually the people who, when wealth is transferring, it's transferring to them, not away from them because they figured out a way to understand the system. It's just the way it is. Like when the stock market goes down, the same amount of money is in there. It just moves from one person to another person. Like it's just the way it is. So like the, the paper value goes down, but it's just moving shares from one place to another and it goes back up. It's just the way it is. So that's one thing that I'll say is like, it's really impressive that all of these things lined up so you got that kind of input on this kind of ultra wealthy. And you said, hey, you know what? I'm going to listen to this. And I, I think this is actually true. And so I, I've been studying this a lot because I really think that right now, like if we serve that, those customers, those clients, like figure out who we serve and figure out where they are and we know where they sit, then we know how we can serve them with our products, right? And if you're a business, you're selling some product. Like if you're a flipper, you're a dealer, you're a house dealer. So if you're dealing houses, like who's buying houses? You got to figure out who that is, what the product looks like and how to offload your inventory to them. There's, there's still going to be people buying. The other thing you mentioned is like the Swiss cheese model. And it, it, this podcast is very interesting because it's taking me back to aviation a ton. Um, the Swiss cheese model that we talk about is usually when we have, wherever we have an accident, like a fatal accident or some crash or something happens, it's all these pieces of, of problematic things that lined up in this perfect hole we call it the Swiss cheese model. Like Swiss cheese has a bunch of holes in it. So you take a bunch of slices of Swiss cheese and line it up just perfect. There's a hole that goes all the way through like an entire block of this if it was sliced, right? If you think about that, then what happens is now you've got an accident that happened, which means this pilot had to have less sleep than the day before. This other person had to like, you know, not, not understood one of the rules and regulations that was happening or didn't get the proper training. The third thing is like there was a, you know, it was a, a day where they, they checked the weather, but the weather was unexpected from what they checked. And like all these things have to stack up. There's all these causal factors. And so when you look at it the other way, so like when you're looking at it, talking about it, you're the other way around, like 180 degrees out, right? You're talking about all the things that have to line up in order to say yes to get to a place of success, which is the exact same thing. And so if you think about all the little things that had to happen, you probably can think about every piece of success that you've ever had in your life, everything that you've done well, every, uh, I don't know, state championship that you won, sport that you were really good, like whatever it is, that that your spouse, like meeting your spouse, what all little things had to line up for all of that stuff, that great thing to happen, same thing, right? And so what you're doing is when we look back, we can diagnose all those things, but all these little yeses that you had, had to all line up to sit, to move forward one more step. Hey, what if, and what I wrote down is like, what start asking different questions? Like, why can't we flip $1.2 million house? Or why don't we flip a $1.2 million house is probably what started going on in your head. And it was little by little, you were having this like call to adventure for this, this, this project, this big project. So, all right. So you bought a $1.2 million house. You got it funded with Kiavi. You said, yes, you did a bunch of rehab to it. What was that like? And then what was the end result? 
So real quick, I want to go back to this Swiss cheese thing. I've actually never heard that. That's that's really good. But so so you can look down at one way and you can see all these things, how how all these things went wrong and lined up, you know, to some sort of like a, a crash or an accident or whatever. But on the flip side, you can look look and you see all the things, you know, that maybe have gone right to line something else up. So how like, how do you determine like which, which one happens to you? And I think it's so much about just what you focus on and what you believe. And in my life, I've seen this play out in my younger years. I, I really had a belief that I was cursed. I really had a belief that like my family was cursed and that like nothing but bad was going to happen to us kind of a kind of a mindset that sounds extreme right but that's the kind of mindset that i carried around and what's crazy is that all the things that were happening around me seemed to point to that seemed to confirm that for me see everything goes wrong for you see nothing good happens to you and then and then one day i i started thinking differently you know i started thinking man i'm blessed i'm not cursed i'm blessed look at these things that are working out for me you know, and then all of a sudden, it's crazy how this works. All of a sudden things start to fall into place for me. And so it's this, it's just this shift, man. And, and how you look at things, it's the lens that you, that you view the world through and you control that, you know? So I just, I wanted to hit on that first, because I think that's, this story could have gone either way, you know, it could have gone either way. Uh, but I think in large part, the reason that it went the way that it went is because of the beliefs that not only I have, but we have like in our company now, you know, the beliefs that we have. And so, um, that's how a lot of these things ended up falling into place the way that they did. So they did. Yeah, they, they before, before, you answer, yes. before you answer my question, I want to say something because, um, everything that happens, everything that's going on is working on you. So everything is working on you, on you. Right. So like the books that you started reading, the the conversations you were having, the rooms that you got in, the people you surrounded yourself with, all that stuff is working on you. And so if you're listening to this show right now, the show is working on you. And so now you just need to step into faith and, and step away from fear and like move into that and start doing something with it. Right. But it's all working on you. And so it's, it's chipping away. It's making you a little bit different. You're changing that identity of we're cursed to the identity of, um, I believe that I, I'm blessed like that. It's not a light switch, right? It's an arc that happens. It's this character arc for you. And the, the little things, the positions that you put yourself in, the rooms that you put yourself in, the stuff that you put between your ears, all that stuff was working on you to allow you to get to a place that you could say yes to. When you saw an opportunity, you had the ability and the, the confidence and the courage to say yes, really the courage to say yes. And, and it wasn't even yes immediately. It was a little bit of yes over time. There was an arc to this too, right? And so yeah. getting there. All right, we, we got to wrap it up, but let, yeah. I want to know what happened with this house, man. Like you bought it for 1.2 million. You can't leave us there. So how much work? What was it like? What are some of the things that you would advise somebody if they were stepping some things up? Some of that stuff. Give me all the goods. Yeah, so so getting into it, man, we just had to look at it like, okay, this this is a totally different animal in, in a lot of ways from what we're used to. But this is this is what we do. In a lot of ways, it's the, it's the same thing. We we've got to have a good plan up front. You know, I paid I paid twenty thousand dollars to flip that one house to to find that out. We've got to have a good plan up front. Um, I can't do all these things myself. 
I've learned that over the years. I've got to have a team. I've got to have people that I can lean on. Who are the people that know the things that I don't know? Because in this type of property, there's a lot of things that I don't know. So we had to lean on other people to, to help put this plan together. Everything from design to the kind of materials, you know, that we bought. Really, we had to spend a ton of time uh, on the front end, on what we call pre-work, really just planning this thing out. You know, it's like that Abraham Lincoln, if, if you give me six hours to chop down a tree, I'll spend the first four sharpening the ax. I mean, it's really that. Like we had to just spend a lot of time getting ready to execute. So we actually spent two months doing that, which I can be honest, I was kind of cringing the whole time. That seems like a really long time. I'm, I'm very impatient, but that's what we did. We spent two months really just doing discovery and planning and, and getting ready to execute. And so along that way, uh, along that path, I'm, I'm kind of growing, even though we, we bought the house, you know, there's still that like courage, like, like you say, right. It's you take the action, but you're still scared. And so we, we bought the house, we got past that. And then the next hurdle was, for me was, are we willing to go all out on this rehab? Are we really willing to push it? Because at first I was thinking, maybe we just do the minimum and, and just try and get in and out of this thing. And, and then over time I said, no, man, like this, this could be just like a once in a lifetime opportunity for us. I don't know. I want to make the most of this opportunity that I've got in front of me. And so that's what we decided to do, man. We just decided to go all out. And so we brought the team together. We went through, we, we came up with this plan and, and we had to just, I had to spend a lot more time kind of back in, uh, you know, back in the saddle. Um, from what I'm used to, a lot of the flips we do, I'm not in the day-to-day of those. I, a lot of flips we do, I don't ever see those houses. That is kind of how we operate in a lot of ways now. But this one, I was like, man, this is my baby. It's, I'm going to have to step in and really, and really be on top of things because we had never done it before. So we, uh, we decided, okay, we're going for it. We're going to, we're going to take this thing to the next level. Um, we, we came up with some really cool ideas, a lot of brainstorming sessions. We got to have a lot of fun with it too. And I think that's a lot of it, man. Like, uh, how do you, when, when you're scared, when you're stressed, you know, you're, you're worried, like what, I don't want to, I don't want to screw this thing up, but can you have fun while you're doing that? And so we decided to have some fun with the design. We, we had this cool movie theater. So we got to design this movie theater with like, you know, Jaws posters and candy machines and like, you know, really just do some cool things with this. And so, um, so yeah, we, we put it all together, man. We, we made it happen. We spent more than we planned on spending. It took longer, you know, than we, than we planned on, uh, taking to flip it, but we, we put in the work, we got this thing to the finish line and, um, and we finally got it listed. Our plan was to get it listed. Uh, the first, uh, or excuse me, the, the middle of, of June ended up not getting uh, listed till the middle of July. And, uh, and at, as, as this is, you know, going along, the, the market's starting to turn a little bit, you know, there's starting to be a little buzz. Hey, some things are shifting, getting a little nervous. I'm, you know, I'm a little concerned, but, uh, man, we just kept our foot on the gas and, and there were some, some really long days, some long nights where we just had to uh, be over there just, um, you know, on the weekends, just making things happen, uh, pulling people together, pulling, pulling the rabbit out of a hat on a lot of stuff. But, um, in the end we made it happen put it together and, uh, and got it done. So we, what we ended up doing, we ended up over time, the market, the market 
continued to increase, just like the guy had said it would, right? Brian Buffini said that this is going to be a solid market. And so the, the comps go from uh, 2.5 to 2.6 to, man, we think we can actually get 3 million for this. And, and so we start to, um, you know, we're talking to different realtors. We had some, you know, brokers come look at the property to get their opinion on things. Like, it, is this unrealistic? Can we get this 3 million? And, and that's where we land. We say, okay, we, we think we can get the 3 million. And, and, and it's that next hurdle, that next mental hurdle. Can you really, can you really get the 3 million? Is this, is this really a $3 million property? You know, and, uh, and we pushed through that. We said, yeah, th- this is it. This really is a $3 million property. Um, we made sure that kind of property, man, you've got to dot every I, you've got to cross every T. You cannot use the same kind of contractors that you've been using at your $200,000 flips. You can't do that. I mean, the quality control on that is next level. We spent almost, uh, almost a month in the punch out phase you know, of just making sure every little thing is right. And so we, we got it all polished up, pretty ready to rock, listed it for 3 million. Okay. So you bought it for 1.2. How much money did you put into it? So we ended up putting 600,000 in it. Okay. So 1.8 and what'd you sell it for? So we ended up selling it for 2.95. Two nine five. Okay, so if you're on HGTV and you bought it for one point two, you put six hundred into it. You're in for one point eight. You sell it for sell it for two nine five. Everybody thinks that you made one point one five million, right? I mean, is that that's right, right? My math is right on public math. So, how much did you actually make? Like, I, I want to be. This is not HGTV. This is a real world. What? And not, and not the real world like on MTV, but actually real world. So, what did you guys actually make on it? So our goal was to make a million on it. We fell short of that, uh, we, but we made almost 900 on it. So almost 900,000. It's for most people, that's like a, a life-changing event, right? Um, yep. Life-changing event. You make $900,000 on a house and you held it for, I, I don't know, how long? Six months, nine months? It, it, was, uh, it? it was about eight months from close to close. Okay, eight months, close to close. That's a pretty good project. Did you have other projects going on at the same time or was that the only one you guys had? When we got that one to the market, we had 15 others. 15 other projects going on. So pretty awesome, man. I'm incredibly proud of you. Uh, it's, it's incredible. Are you out looking for other million dollar houses right now? No, right now where we're at with this market shifting and things changing, we're, we're getting back to the fundamentals. You know, are, are you fundamentally sound? That's the question I think you got to be asking yourself right now. And so we're getting back to the basics, uh, the fundamentals, making sure uh, that in all the flips that we're doing, um, that, that we're practicing, you know, the right things, that we're doing the right things uh, to get through these, these difficult times that we're in. Awesome. Congratulations. I'm excited for you. I'll say if you guys are listening to this, um, this success comes off the back of, of trials, tribulations, identity changes, shifts, um, all kinds of stuff before that, right? There's a lot, like we talked about that Swiss cheese. It's, it's, it's the decisions that were made years ago that have created the opportunity that you can say yes to and the courage that builds up over time to say yes to something like this. And like, honestly, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit, uh, I've got a wound from higher end houses. So 
I'm not like I will say no to those before I say yes for sure because of what happened to me. And that that's that's a horrible thing. Like I have to figure out what that wound is, figure out the belief, figure out the fear and then figure out the identity that's wrapped around that. And um, even sometimes like I talk about it in my book on the podcast, I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is a good idea. Um, I think you just need to position yourself just like Jansen did. You've got to figure out who the people are that you need to work with. What uh, kind of mindset do you need to have? What uh, you need to take your time a month and punch out like. My house was a t- like, we, I didn't do that. If I did that, I bet that when the people walk through, they'd be like, wow, this is awesome. No, but they saw little, little mistakes and they were like, oh, I wonder what else is under this. What else do they do? What else do they cut corners? Where, you know, so I'm just going to go down to the other house that's new construction or another house that looks better. All of these things. So uh, I learned a ton. I learned a ton today. And I hope you guys take this like belief in this change and, and start taking action with it and do something with this information. And Jansen, thanks for coming on, man. I had an awesome time. Any, anything you want to share or how people can like find you if they want to reach out, reach out to you anything and anything you need right now. Like if you need money or I don't know, contractors or anything like that, that you could use some help with. Well, um, I mean, you can find me on Facebook and, and you can connect with me there. Always happy, you know, to help somebody, especially somebody who's, you know, been in places I've been and, and, you know, at that place of just trying to just trying to dig yourself out of a hole. You know, that's that's kind of always where my heart is at that underdog, you know, because because that's that's who I am. And uh, so, yeah, reach out to me on Facebook. Find me there. Jansen McClendon. Um, you know, man, there's a lot of things I need, but uh, but I got I got I got everything, you know, really really that I truly need. And, um, and so I, I appreciate that offer, but, uh, but I, I'll say, I, I think I'm, I'm good, man. I'm blessed. Awesome. Well, keep that, keep that mindset. If you keep coming into everything, like you're blessed and you're not cursed, you'll be in good shape, my friend. Uh, all right, everybody. Thanks for, uh, thanks for listening. Hopefully you guys, if you love it, hook me up with a rating and review, share it, take a screenshot, talk about it. Hey, this guy made $900,000 on a house. This is insane. I can do it too. So, uh, Jansen, thanks for hanging out with me. I'll see you guys on the next show. Bye. Thanks, Bill.